Good Lord. If you have your Bible with you today, or your Bible apps on your phone or iPad, get them out and go with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, that's your favorite book, right? Chapter uh, 3, Ecclesiastes, the third chapter. If you're new with us at Life Church, or if you're new to church as a whole, and new to the Bible and all that, um, there, those of us who aren't new to it used to be new to it, so we can relate. And if this is a little bit scary, a little bit nerve-wracking, they want, thinking, what in the world are these people doing here? Uh, some of us used to think the same thing, <laughs> and we got over it, and now we wholeheartedly participate. So you're in a dangerous place is what I'm telling you, just giving you a heads up. Something might happen in your life that's bigger than you, and, and, <laughs> and you'll be glad at the end. Amen. I've been teaching, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, uh, a, a new series. I've never taught this series before, as most of the others as well, but it's called Heaven Yes, Hell No. Heaven Yes, Hell No. Uh, so far... We've taken some time to uh, teach on and discuss being eternity-minded, right? Uh, And then I I took a couple weeks, to everyone's great delight, (laughs) to speak about hell and what the Scriptures have to say about hell. And as much as it's not my desire to put people in fear, uh, if I scare someone out of the place, I'm okay with that. You know, I mean, if that's the motive needed... To avoid being separated from God forever, I'd be happy to have that conversation all day long because uh, love drives us and compels us to do so. Um, however, we want to move along and share with you today about heaven. Are you ready for a little heaven to go to heaven in? Uh, so let's begin over in Ecclesiastes. You know, I was thinking about sometimes people go on vacation. And if they're going to a resort or some kind of destination, they will often look up uh, brochures, whether online or in physical, uh, you know, physical paper. And they'll they'll look at the activities in the area, look at the pictures and the food, and they they kind of analyze everything that's going to happen on their vacation. And uh, well, first they of course they want to make a right decision as to where to go. But then once they've decided, yep, this is where we're going to go. This is where our vacation is going to be. They keep looking at it every now and then to look at it and look things up. And, and nowadays people look at, you know, reviews on from critical critic boards and all that kind of stuff to find out what the best things to do on their trip are. Why do they do that? Well, you know, they're excited. They're, they're looking forward to it. They want to know. Their, their anticipation builds the closer and closer they get. They want to know because they're expecting it to be a, just an outstanding trip. Right? How many think if we do that with heaven, it could have the same impact on us? Yeah, part of this is, man, the more I read about it, the more I study it, the more I look at it, the more excited I am to go. And, and I tell you what, that's a right response, by the way. You should not be ho-hum about this. If we really understand, we are excited. If we, let me say it the other way. If we're not excited about heaven, we haven't gotten the, the, the picture of it that I think the Lord wants us to have yet. And so we want to look at this and, 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 and see what the Lord has for us. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and in verse 11. 3 and verse 11. It reads, He has made everything beautiful in its time. 
Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. And, and so I, I ask the question, why do we even think about this? Why is there a desire to consider eternity? Why do we think about heaven? Well, because God made you. He makes us think that way. How? He put this as like a seed in our hearts. To some degree, we can't help it. And you look through generations gone past of human history, what do we see? People are talking about eternity. People are talking about the afterlife. People are talking about heaven. People are, their thoughts are there. Their mind is there. And probably the older we get, the more we think about it because you realize you're running out of breath. <laughs> but it's a good thing that we do. And, and I'm not here to squelch that. I'm here to fan that flame and say, think about it some more. If your mind is in heaven, if your thoughts are on eternal things, keep, keep going. Keep thinking about it. Because that is the work of God in your heart. At the same time, I can see here from this passage that we're not going to know it all. We're not going to be able to answer every question from beginning to end of what God has planned and what He wants to do. I don't fully know the reason. Um, why he withholds some information from us. Maybe it's he wants to give us enough and, and you know, encourage us to trust him with the rest. Right? Here's what it's going to be like, but I'll tell you the rest later. I mean, there's an anticipation built in that. And we should be able to trust him with the parts that we don't know by believing the parts that we do know. I know years ago, uh, Amy and I used to take... Uh, high school seniors on what we call a mystery trip in the in the spring before they graduated uh, during spring break or something we'd and we we planned this trip for them and the the thing about it being a mystery was that we didn't tell them where we were going we just tell them you're going to be gone for so many days make sure you bring these type of clothes and then trust us and literally we'd load them up and leave <laughs> as they once they were in the vehicle, we, uh, we would tell their parents. We'd give them a little, little note and say, this is where we're going to be. So, you know, parents could chill. But this was before, not everyone had a cell phone on them back then. And uh, so they couldn't just like, hey, here's the information. Uh, but we would, and we would just drive away. <laughs> a few days later, we'd come back. And they weren't disappointed. We always exceeded expectations. And it was, it, we, it, you know, turned out to be some really fun times. Uh, how many believe that, that God is going to exceed our expectation? If we only get what He has shown us, it's awesome. And I'm convinced that once we see, once we have first-hand experience of these things that God has prepared for us, He will blow us away. And we, would, we will say, I'm glad you held some of this back, because there's enjoyment in discovery. And, and so He has put this in our heart. Now, when we uh, think about heaven... It's very common for people to have questions. I have questions for sure uh, about heaven. Some of them people commonly ask are, will my pets be there? Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm not answering that right now. My, my, our dog is going to be there, but uh, that cat we used to have, 
that cat went to hell already. <laughs> Let him claw those people. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he got mean sometimes. Uh, uh, anyway, come on now, stay with me. Let's move on. People, <laughs> I guess that's my fault. Uh, people ask, why are there gates in heaven? Some of these are good, good questions. Um, people ask, will I be married to my current spouse in heaven? Will we still be married? Uh, others have asked, will we have wings like angels? Will we be winged creatures? <laughs> um, sometimes in the world, and maybe you land in this, in this condition, but people have asked, is heaven going to be boring? Is heaven going to be boring? Now, you're in church, you know the right answer, but if you entertain other thoughts, you're okay to entertain those thoughts. We hope to answer those, but sometimes people think about eternity, and we're talking about heaven or hell, and they're going, eh, I don't know, what do we get? Because their idea, you know, is sitting on a cloud playing a harp, and the pictures, the images they have of, of what we're going to do or not do, they really don't know, and so they imagine the worst. And I think that's one of the lies of the devil. I mean, what, what would you do if you were the devil? We'll make, let's tell people hell's a party. And it's not so bad. Actually, the fun is happening there. Heaven is completely boring. Everything's white. And there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing interesting. You're just kind of hanging out forever. Uh, well, that's a lie. That's not the way it really is. Um, but people ask if there'll be music and things like that, like other than harp music. <laughs> and, uh, and you can know... For sure there will be, but, uh, you know, others have wondered, are we just going to be worshiping God 24-7? And, uh, and I, certainly for some people, they've related that, and, and that, the answer is no. But uh, nevertheless, some have related that to experiences they've had in different religious circles on earth. And it does not sound fun, because <laughs> they think, I've been in some boring church services. And if that's what heaven is like forever, yikes. And again, they misunderstand what God has in mind. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 is an interesting verse. You may be familiar with it. It's verse 1 and 2 of Colossians 3. Paul writes here, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So listen to that exhortation. You know, should we think about heaven? Well, the Scripture says we should. This is right for us to do. This series that we're, we're, we're teaching now is, is, is good for us. It's healthy for us. We ought to be thinking about heaven. Too many times people are only thinking about the earth. They're thinking about their temporary life, this, the natural things they're dealing with here. But part of our success in this life is to have our mind on the next. All right? And specifically, if you're a believer, if you're a saved person, you ought to think about heaven. You ought to think about, uh, about God's plan and about spiritual things from that perspective. Uh, I know sometimes people have made statements, really just not knowing, but they've made statements that go something like this. Some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Well, really the problem is, is people are so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good. And really, truly, I don't think there's a problem with people thinking about heaven too much. There's a problem with people not thinking about it enough. 
It's when people become too earthly minded. See, if you're heavenly minded, you're not only thinking about maybe the landscape, the, the place, the location, uh, what you're going to do. You're also thinking about God. You're thinking about His will, His kingdom, His plan. You're thinking about what He is interested in. And if you will meditate on that and think about those things more often, that's going to have a, d- a dramatic effect upon your earthly life. Okay, I'm concerned more that people aren't thinking about heaven frequently enough. And when they do think about it, it's not accurate. So I, I seek not only to raise our consciousness of eternal things, raise our consciousness of, of heaven, but, but also have a clarity of understanding so we can think with accuracy. We're not going to know it all, but what we do know can really light a fire on the inside of us. Okay, And if it makes you want it more, good. That's good. So someone might think, well, if I want it too much, you know, if people are having a bad time, having a, a difficult life, if, you know, wouldn't that contribute to people taking their own life so they can improve it by going to heaven? I don't believe that's truly being heavenly minded. All right. When someone is truly heavenly minded, they have God on their mind. They have God's will and His plan and His eternal kingdom on their mind. If they really are thinking that way, they are not thinking about ending their, their, their life prematurely here. Because they also become then conscious of God's will. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. I, I, was, I was asking questions about why we should think about heaven. And, and I wrote these down, number one, because uh, God told us enough to make us want to be there. He gave us a taste. He gave us that Costco sample. <laughs> he, why? Because, he, he, hey, why don't you try a little bit of this? Why? So we get the whole thing. So we go buy a big gallon of it or something, right? He gave us enough to whet our appetite. So we, so we say, yeah, oh, I, I want to learn more. I want to know more. I, I want to be there. All right. I, I, I wrote, why should we think about heaven? Because God's will is fully done there. Think about it. God's will is not fully done here. It is fully done there. When you see heaven and see all the characteristics of that place and the condition of people's lives, you realize God is good, that He wants to bless, He wants to do amazing things. There's no lack or fear or despair or anything like that there. But there is here, and we recognize Jesus told us to pray that the Father's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we start seeing this disparity and said, heaven is amazing and life is horrible And we start praying it out to where our lives on earth come up to match the will of God in heaven. Yeah. And so you can clearly see. I mean, it's one of the great theological busters when people are, I don't know, maybe God wants you to be poor. Maybe he wants you to be miserable. Maybe he wants you to be sick. Maybe he wants you to be. And then we say, well, what about heaven? Is any of that there? Is it God's will that that those things be done here, as they are done there, and so we, we get a clear understanding of God's will and what His plan is for our lives. Uh, I know that we should think about heaven because this hope that we have or expectation of better things to come helps us make it through tough times. When life is hard, when we're dealing with challenges, we've always got this out. We, we've always got this, this, this out. At the, at the end of it, I kind of go back to the vacation thing again. I, I, I remember when we first started the church, um, uh, we, were, we, we came here and, you know, the, the future was 
unknown. We had an expectation in our hearts, but we didn't know how things would go. And I remember the very first year, we had a trip planned the following summer with our family that we didn't have to pay for. <laughs> and I remember a, a friend of mine saying, uh, who I was telling about that, he said, well, it's like good news because no matter how things go the first year of your church, you know you got that trip planned. <laughs> I'm like, yep, because we went to Hawaii. <laughs> We've got Hawaii coming in a year no matter what happens over the next year. And, and how many know you've got more than Hawaii coming? In just a short period of time, no matter how it goes here, I mean, we want to have a good life, have a blessed life, have a prosperous and fruitful and productive life, giving, giving God all the glory and praise, but no matter how, how it goes, no matter how hard it is, in a minute you're going to Hawaii on steroids. <laughs> yeah, you've got a scheduled departure. You've got your ticket. If you're a believer, you can look forward to some good things. Amen. I, I know that we are to live out of the resources of heaven while we're here on the earth. The more I can know about heaven, the more I can know that my life is dependent on heaven's provision, heaven's resources, not earth's provision. It's not based on the stock market, not based on the, the economy or any natural thing that I can figure out. I'm supposed to live out of heaven, and I'm ambassador for Christ, and therefore I'm supplied by he my, my heavenly citizenship. Yeah. The more I know about that, the more confident I am I'm going to make it through even while I'm down here. And I can see also that heaven is a motivator. Heaven motivates us. The more you know about it, the more you'll be motivated to do good things. Think about how, how you know, with these uh, extreme, these, these uh, you know, Muslim jihadists, you know, how they motivate them, how they motivate these, these people to put uh, bombs on them and, and go blow, blow people up. They motivate that with a lie. It's a lie of the devil, but they tell them, hey, you do that, you've got 70 virgins waiting for you in heaven. Uh, bad news, uh, no, you don't. Uh, but you can see how people will go to great extremes because of their hope of heaven. I wonder when we see and know the truth and know what God really has for us, what might that motivate us to do? It certainly won't motivate us to kill people. But hopefully it will motivate us to take a whole busload with us. <laughs> Gathering up a group right now. Anybody we want to be on the, the next load? Praise God. And so where is heaven? I, you know, I answered in the series earlier, we, we, we discussed where hell is, and we discovered that hell is beneath. Hell is down, is the way we described it. We don't have to go over all that. But heaven is just the opposite. Here's what the Scriptures say. Mark 16, 19. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, He was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. He was received where? up. So we, most people think this, they see, see this naturally, but it is correct. If you think of heaven as being up, it is up. All right. The, the apostle Paul wrote about himself in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 2. He said, I know a man in Christ 14, uh, who, who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Where, where did he go? Up. I know, again, let me just throw this out. It raises the question, doesn't that depend on which side of the planet you're on? Because if one person's going up, they're going that way. Another person's going up, they're going the other way. Again, I believe that heaven is spiritual in nature. And it's not just we have to have the coordinates for the location and space that heaven is. It's up in a, in a way that I can't necessarily comprehend. But it's also up in a figurative sense. All right, Meaning it's better. You're not being downgraded, you're being upgraded. 
All right, you're going up. Jesus physically went up in the air, but then, you know, I'm trying to locate that on the map. What, okay, where did he go? Well, where is that? I, I don't need to be concerned about that, but I need to, I, I should understand over and over and over again, the scriptures talk about the Lord, about heaven being up. All right, hell is beneath, it is lower. It's definitely a low, low place to go. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, it reads, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So we see that, that heaven must be above in some capacity because the Lord in, in a future day, and it might be soon, and it might be while you and I are still here, we'll get a bypass the whole funeral business. Uh, but he's going to descend from heaven with a shout. We're going to ascend and meet him in the air. High five in the middle. Bam, bam. And it's going to be a glorious time as we go up. Hallelujah. Now go with me to John chapter 14. If you would, let's look at this one together. John the 14th chapter. You might recall this passage. This is where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. I want to read the previous verses to that outstanding and necessary statement. In the, in the first verse, John chapter 14 and verse 1, Jesus speaking here to his disciples, he said, let not your heart be troubled. If your heart is troubled, what should you do? Don't let it. Don't let it. Don't let it be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And so I want us to consider what Jesus said here about heaven. First of all, it is a real place. It's not just a state of mind. He said, I am going there, and then later, you are going to come there and be with me where I am. So we'll be in the same spot, the same location as Jesus. It literally is a place. Now, now three words used here I want to I uh, elaborate on for just a moment. They're the words house. The, words man, the word mansions, and the word place. I look these three words up in the Greek so we can understand uh, what they're referring to. First of all, house, in my father's house. Uh, uh, the, the word simply means dwelling place. D dwelling place. The father's dwelling place is heaven. So I don't necessarily think that, that when it says my father's house, and we think of, okay, I know where I live. It's a house with a sloped roof and a door in the beginning. And the Father has one of those. Okay? Now, from, from a figurative standpoint, Jesus may have been communicating this to some degree. He's basically telling us uh, there's plenty of room. There's lots of space there. In other words, if you invited uh, me and my wife and, and our three kids over to your houses and we were going to be in your area and we're going to, and, and said, so we need a place to stay for a month. And you said, well, you can come stay at our house. Oh, we can? How many know where my mind's going? How big is your house? <laughs> are you going to, are all, is this us five to one room? You know, I'm thinking, do I want to accept this invitation? Is this a, do you, do you have a, like a really big place where we're going to be comfortable staying there for a month? And, and I think part of this is the Lord saying, uh, in my father's house, 
there's lots of space. There is lots of room. I don't know about you, but I, I don't. I wouldn't really anticipate being around large numbers of people forever. I mean, in fact, as far as being in a crowd, I think about sometimes going to an event, going through a, a sporting event, or going through a you know D D Disneyland or something like that. And some of the negative is what the traffic, the crowd. It's like oh. There's so many people here in a small area, and I can handle that for a little while, but eventually, you know, you want to breathe. It's like that person who comes and talks to you. And you're going, <laughs> space, personal space. And now, now listen, heaven has a, a lot of people. There are a ton of people already there. And there will be a lot of people there when you arrive, and, and, and it's, no, it's not thin. <laughs> uh, it's a very populated place, but it's also massive. This is a huge place. And not only that, the people we are around, people we will be around, I'm sure at times we'll be in crowds and so forth like that, they're all cool. Every one of them. They're nice, they're enjoyable, they're fun to be around. The, the annoying people are not going to be there. Are you saying annoying people aren't saved? Well, no, I'm just saying their annoyingness will be fixed. <laughs> Maybe that's me. I don't know. I'm sure I probably annoy some people. It'll be solved. We're good. You can come over to my place. We'll, we'll be okay. Uh, but but uh, again, a house is a dwelling place. There's plenty of room, plenty of space in heaven. I think you can be alone. I think you can be with people. Think, I think about the relationships. I, I get to learn and meet new people for a long time before we've exhausted it. Amen. Amen. And we, we, we get to enjoy the, the benefits, the positives. There will be no, none of that negative stuff. But let me keep going. The word mansions here means abiding places. Okay? There's kind of been a question with, in some theological circles as to whether the mansions are mansions as we use it in our terminology today. Maybe you think of a large palatial mansion. And, and are there houses or buildings like that? Uh, and because usually um, uh, some land in a place where they think of and they try to interpret these verses with their small mentality. And because they have duplex mentality, they have a hard time accepting large, massive, expensive, fancy. And, and I don't know 100% if our English word mansion literally translates to what I envision in my mind as a super big home, you know, a mansion, what is that, 10,000 feet or bigger in our definition. I don't know that God's definitions are the same, but I do not think God wants us to live in medium gray apartments. I don't think, I, I just, I know Him, I know His nature. Heaven is not filled with studio apartments. And everyone gets their little space. Don't worry, plenty of room, we got government housing for everybody. That is not the nature of God. It's not what he described in this book. And so, personally, you can make your, own, make your own mind up. I'm okay with the word mansion. I think whatever I can imagine, it's going to be better. Whatever I can think, it's more. Whatever my heart desires, he's going to fulfill it and exceed it. Heaven is not a place of disappointment. We're not, no one is going to go there and say, oh, this is it? I was kind of thinking... You know, like maybe you've been on one of those trips or you got in a hotel somewhere and you showed up and went, huh, oh, junk. 
I thought, you know, because how they take creative pictures of the pool and stuff. And they show you this angle. And it's like, whoa, that's amazing. And you get there, and it's a 10 by 10 pool blocked in. with, <laughs> And it's just not what they represented. Heaven is not that way. Whatever you can find in here, more. And as we go, and I'm just scratching the surface today, as we go, you'll see even what's been revealed to us already is mind-blowing. Beyond, I can't wrap my mind around it, seriously. It's amazing. But let's keep going. So, mansions abide, are abiding places. In my Father's dwelling place, there are many abiding places. And then the word place itself just means a place of habitation, um, like a city, okay? Uh, Boise, Meridian, we would say this is a, a place. It is a, an abiding place. It's a place of habitation. Is there a city in heaven? Wait till we get to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's awesome. Um, probably, probably many cities, but the, the, even the dimensions and the magnitude of this city in heaven is absolutely outstanding. Uh, now, Heaven and earth, when you read this book, you'll find they're often used together. You'll read the words heaven and earth, sometimes heavens and earth. Um, uh, just, just a side note, heavens often refers to, you think heavens, like plural, like there's more than one. One thing we know for sure is there's at least three. Remember Paul said he, he knew this guy, and it was himself, who was caught up to the third heaven, all right? Third heaven, meaning there must be a second or a first or you cannot have a third. All right, First heaven is the atmosphere around us, like the birds fly in the heavens, airplanes fly in the heavens. That, that's the atmospheric heaven right around us. The second heaven would be the stellar heavens. we got the stars and the planets and, and all that. The third heaven would be like earth. Probably, in my opinion, a, a planet. It would be, we got planet earth, planet heaven. In other words, you see over and over, heaven and earth, heaven and earth, heaven and earth, heaven and earth. Right? In other words, they're similar. They go together. You don't always use them in the same sentence if they're two opposites, like they're, they don't even exist in the same context. Uh, for example, Jesus prayed one day, Luke 10, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. And you see that all through the Scripture, those things used together. And so, heaven being this place that's like the earth. Why do you say it's like the earth? Because of that context used, also because God is the creator of both. And as, as Him being the creator, He has a certain taste, a certain like. Uh, he has likes. He made heaven the way He wanted it. He made earth the way He wanted it. And we don't quite see what that was because it's been corrupted and it's been in decay and it's been in chaos since sin and Satan got their foothold here. So earth in its perfect condition, we're not familiar with. But to some degree, we can see that God likes mountains and valleys and He likes trees and He likes plants and He likes fruit. And he likes the air, and he likes water, and he likes rivers. And these are things he created, and as we read further in Scripture, we'll see that those things exist in heaven as well. So somewhat, if people think, man, I'm going to miss this place. <laughs> no, you're not. You're going to see what you enjoy here, what you like here. You'll see it there, and a thousand times better. 
Because again, it's God's taste. You like certain things about this planet. I do as well. Because they're God's idea. And you're made in the likeness and image of God. And so He created it and we click with it. If someone thinks, I'm going to miss, I'm sure going to miss snow skiing in heaven. No, you're not. Say, do you have a verse on that? No, I don't. Not specifically to say that you could snow ski or water ski or, or play a sport or, or, or do some of the things you do here. I just know heaven is not a place of, of lack and disappointment. The things we're able to do here were of God's design. He put that creativity in us. Amen. Oh, I could go so much further and elaborate on that, uh, on that more. But I know that heaven and earth are like each other to some degree. Now, because of time, I feel like I've been speaking fast today. Is that okay? Should I start over? Okay. Uh, Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8. He wrote, We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So that what happens is when, when someone leaves their body, if a believer, someone who's received eternal life, steps out of their body instantly, they are present with the Lord. So this is what, if you're a Christian, you have this to look forward to. But for the believer, there is no in-between. There's no delay. When you leave your body, you go straight to heaven. Do not pass go. Do not collect. You're not going to jail either. You're you're going straight to heaven. What, What does that mean? It means in part... When you see someone pass away, or when maybe when there was a, a tragedy, or there's a disaster, a natural disaster, or a terrorist attack, or something like that, and you hear on the news about praying for the victims, there's no need to pray for people who die. Okay? It doesn't do any good. People who are alive, yes, pray for those. But once someone dies, no prayer for them. If they're believers, they're in the presence of God, and I, trust me, they don't need your prayers. All right, uh, They have made their choice. They've made their decision. But there's no holding tank. There's no, like, like some religions would teach like a purgatory. And we need to pray them out of there. Or some will use that theology to get money out of people. You need to buy these people out of purgatory. No, that doesn't exist. Paul said you're, if you're, you're absent the body. You're present with the Lord. No, nor is there any need like one religion around here teaches that you should baptize for dead people. Okay, That's a total waste of time. Absolute waste. You don't baptize for someone who's already dead. They're either, they either missed God because they rejected Him or they've received salvation. They're in the presence of the Lord. If anyone's praying for anyone, they're praying for you. Because we're the ones that need help, right? But in the presence of God. So, so never think negatively or feel sad about a believer who dies. Not for a moment. Do you know that if you could have a conversation with them, which you shouldn't and shouldn't try, uh, if you could have a conversation with them, and if they were given the option, he'd say, hey, you can go back if you want, you wouldn't be able to talk them into it. If they've been there for five seconds, and you said, hey, you sure you want to be here? You, you can come back. You couldn't talk them into coming back. Not because they don't love you, not because they didn't, you know, maybe potentially have a good life down here. It's just the overwhelming glories of heaven are so much beyond our comprehension and so, so wonderful and good. You couldn't talk them down. No, no, thank you. I'll be okay. I'll just stay here. I'm gonna, I'll be watching from up here. And we know to some degree, maybe I'll teach that later. Uh, they do know some things that are happening in your life while you're here, but never feel bad for them. Because they are present with the Lord. If you've had any experiences with God, I have. I mean, compared to what's possible, it's probably this much. Some of my experiences with God of His presence and glory being on me.
I tell you, what if I had that like cranked up? And what if I had it 24-7? You could not talk me out of that place. You could not pay me. You could not do anything. No. No way. No sir. If I could be in that like forever, oh, I can't imagine. And here's the cool thing. About to happen. About to happen. Let me give you this one verse in closing. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Paul writes here, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you have sorrow as, as others who have no hope. What was his desire? Don't be ignorant. In other words, know what happens to them. Know about heaven. Know about eternity. Here's the thing. The more we know about heaven, the more, we, the more hope we will have right now. I believe this is a good subject for us to discuss and learn and grow and increase our knowledge of because it'll all, the only thing it'll do is make us more hopeful. It'll make us more excited and more glad about what is coming next. Amen? Just as hell is a place with no good, with no God, heaven is a place that's all good and it's full of God. He's everywhere. An awesome manifestation. It's a place of joy and, and, and so much more. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for working in our lives.